1: or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more.
0: When I first found out my wife was pregnant it was probably the most exciting moment of my life. I was so overtaken with emotions. I think I started crying and I just couldn't stop hugging her. I was just so full of joy.
1: As the pregnancy got into the third trimester and I saw the baby's arm move under my wife's belly, I thought there's something in there. My wife loves Chinese food. But when she got pregnant, she couldn't eat it. Uh, It just didn't
2: sound appealing at all. But she suddenly craved Mexican food. And it was kind of
0: fascinating to like, okay, let's eat that now. Generally speaking, I would say if your wife starts to act a little crazy, uh, don't take it personal because she's having a baby. (laughs) Some great comments there. Reflections from
1: dads about pregnancy and uh, wives carrying babies. It's a beautiful, overwhelming, often confusing time. And today on Focus on the Family... We're going to help new dads embrace their role, support their wife, and maybe even understand her a bit better during this exciting time. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I think today
2: we're going to sound like a bunch of girls getting together talking about their experience having a baby, but we're going to do it from the guy's perspective today. I can remember uh, Troy, my number two son, when he was born. I mean, we had I don't know. Jean had a knack for starting labor like at one or two in the morning. That was her her pattern. And I can remember she woke up and she said, "Can you just massage the base of my back?" And I was doing that. And she going, "Can you push harder because it hurts?" And I'm I literally had my feet up against the wall, all my pressure. And she was saying, "Can you do it harder because it's really it's not making a difference?" I went. Are you in labor? (laughs) And sure enough, she was. Her water broke. Uh, I did the the two-in-the-morning drive through the red lights, thinking, I wonder if a cop's going to pull me over. I could say, lead us to the hospital. But we got there to the hospital, and, like, the door was shut at the maternity wing. And I'm banging on the door. (laughs) We get in, and a nurse is in there. It's okay. we got plenty of time. we got to do the paperwork. And I went back out to hand uh, my number one son, Trent, off to my sister. Again, two in the morning and a nurse comes running out. It had only been like seven minutes, and this nurse came out to the parking lot yelling, if you want to see your baby born, you better come in now. It's coming right now. <laughs> I was like, man, I made that within seven minutes. I mean, that was crazy. You oh, had a similar well, story. Well, we had
1: one, uh, our, our oldest daughter, uh, our third child, first pregnancy here in Colorado, and um, we were taking the doctor's advice. I'm timing contractions. We're, we're talking it all through. Dina's in labor for a while, and Um, She gets up, and I go to the other room, and I hear this, John, it's the baby. Oh, my. And I run into the bathroom, and... And to hide the baby is crowning, <laughs> and so three oh pushes my. later, I'm holding my daughter. I mean, it, so was it was born t- at your home. Totally unexpected. Okay,
2: that tops it all. It was
1: a nice yeah. home birth.
2: Yeah, oh, that's amazing. It, it, was it, it was a good time. Were you cool and collected like the, you are every uh, day here? I, I was actually fairly calm. <laughs> yeah, yes. What gets your juice going? I, if that w- <laughs> doesn't get you going. Hospitals make me sick if that counts for anything. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, today uh, we want to spend some time helping new dads know how to support their wives before the baby is born, have your plan, understand what's happening, don't be surprised. And for the women in the audience, this may help you understand what we as husbands are thinking and feeling during your pregnancy. We're kind
1: of doing this together, right? We are, yeah. It's a team effort, and we've got a pregnancy survivor with us, Uh, (laughs) Aaron Sharp. uh, He calls himself a four-time pregnancy survivor. Uh, (laughs) He and his wife, Elena, have four kids uh, ranging in ages from three to nine. He's written a book called You Got This, Dad, The Expectant Father's Guide to Surviving Pregnancy. And uh, we've got copies of that here at the ministry. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca.
2: Aaron, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, guys. Okay, let's kick it off. You got your story. You heard uh, John and I explain ours. What was your uh, story?
0: So we've got four kids, and uh the only one we have really a story on is the first one because the second two involved bed rest, and then the last one was an induction, and so the story we have is from our very first one, which I think most people that's where their story comes from. It's true. Yeah. Uh, It was, uh, was a normal Wednesday morning. Elena was, you know, very pregnant at this point, but we weren't it wasn't supposed to be timed yet. Yes. Uh, because my first, the first book I ever wrote, the manuscript was due May 1st, and our first child was due May 15th. Good timing. And I thought, this is perfect. <laughs> I, I wrap up my book. I send it off. I've got two weeks to finish preparing. And this is wonderful. Uh, so then on April the 20th, Wednesday morning, just normal, uh, I'm in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, there's this loud banging on the wall coming from the bathroom. <laughs> Aaron, what? What's going on? My water just broke. And so, you know, kind of, I'm running around like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You know, and so we, we get to the hospital and then it's, we spend all day there. And it wasn't until like 11 o'clock that night that we, we finally have our first child. And, yeah. and he came out and because he was just a little over 36 weeks, he ended up having to go to the NICU. And I had been told by Elena, and I'm sure most wives and husbands have this conversation. She said, I don't care what happens to me when that baby comes out. That's your responsibility. And so I turn to my brother and sister-in-laws and I say, hey, I've got to go with the baby. I need one of y'all to go back and tell Elena what's happening. And they're all like, no. I'm like, no. Here's the deal. I'm not going back in that room because I've got to go with the baby or I'm going to get murdered. I've been told. So, I've got so, one thing to yeah, do here. Yeah, yeah. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I know I've got to follow this baby. So one of you has got to figure out to tell Elena where me and the baby are going. So it was kind of a fun Well, I wonder how
2: many of the listeners had this experience. So Gina told me, you know, I want to do this all natural on Trent, number one. So she said, don't give in to me asking for an epidural. (laughs) Just don't give in. And I'm going, this is a no-win situation. (laughs) And sure enough, uh, you know, she's in labor. We're at the hospital. And she is screaming at me, tell the doctor to get me that epidural now. And I said, but honey, Oh, that was not good. But honey, you told me. Oh, no, no, no. I saw something come out of her that growled. Sounded like a bear. uh, And uh, boy, she set me straight. I went running for the doctor. (laughs) Change of mind. Uh, But anyway, so when you found out your wife was pregnant the first time, uh, you say you were like Spider-Man just after he got bitten by the radioactive spider. Yeah. How does that connect?
0: Well, you know, you you think about it, you know, like you're like at that moment... Everything has changed for you, but you don't know it. You know what I mean? Like, the world is completely different. It it just hasn't hit you yet how different it is and that it is different. And so I think that's the moment, you know, like, Spider-Man getting bit by the spider. Like, he doesn't know he's about to be Spider-Man, but everything just changed for him. And I think that's the exact moment when, when your wife says, hey, we're having a baby. Like, there's a lot of emotions that happen, but I don't think you quite understand just Joe
1: what's coming down the pipe. So you've got your finger on something there, Aaron, which is that we guys tend to um, not really share openly about our anxieties and our stresses. When you found out you were pregnant, um, somewhere in there you lost your job, and that probably just added to the level of stress. Well, and a lot there. of people are in that spot right yeah. now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what we had to do is we had to decide... Um, So I was employed. We were trying. I lost my job. And it's like, do we keep trying now? Hmm. And the decision we made was, you know, we felt like this is what God had for us. It was time to start trying to have a family. And so I don't think God's dependent upon our circumstances for that. I think this is something we felt like God wanted us to do as a couple. So I think we should just keep trying with that. And having no idea what that meant. Of course, and then you get pregnant, and now you're thinking, okay, now that we're pregnant, I'm thinking maybe we should have changed our mind. You <laughs> know what I mean? Because like, now the gravity is hitting yes. you. I was trusting God, but now I really have to trust God right. and uh, yeah. what his plan for us is. And so, yeah, that's very nerve-wracking. Uh, and you know, God worked it out. I mean, it was perfectly in a way that we could not have even imagined. Yeah, but there was probably a time or two where you were biting your nails thinking, what in the world? Oh, yeah, well, and the truth is I was biting my nails. I'm pretty sure my parents were biting their nails. <laughs> I'm they, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my in-laws were biting. I think everybody's biting their nails because That's they're funny. thinking, like, Aaron doesn't have a job and there's a baby on the way. What are we going to do here? Mm-hmm.
2: Let's move to the emotions of pregnancy. And now everybody's going, no, don't do that. <laughs> but uh, many husbands are baffled by their wife's emotions during the full nine months. And I understand you and your wife had the, the biggest fight of your marriage, and you can't remember the details
0: per se, which is funny. But what happened? So we, you know, we, this argument starts and it's over something stupid, you know, because they all are, you know, what I mean, very rarely are big arguments over something legitimate, you know what I mean? And so the argument starts and and I'm realizing and I don't realize it at the time I realize later reflecting back on it, what's going on. Uh, but the hormones are just taking her for a ride. And so we're sitting there. Don't ever say that to her. Well, she said it to me later. Right. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. In, in the recap, she says, hey, I'm sorry. The home were taking me for a ride. If you say so. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. say so. Yes, uh, dear. Yeah, whatever you say. Um, but, uh, you know, so we're – she's struggling to kind of get this control of herself, uh, of her emotions. And I am not understanding. She's coming at me in a way that she doesn't – it's not normal. You know what I mean? And so I uh, – we're sitting there. We have this huge argument and it's stupid, and I realize immediately that this is on me. You know what I mean? Like, my very pregnant wife is over here. Now, you know, we've been going at each other. She's crying. We've got three kids in the other room that have heard this because, you know, we're all in the same house, and, you know, we don't live in a mansion. So they've heard us arguing and stuff. And so we realize we have to either at this moment, I have to say, listen, kids, dad was an incredible jerk to your mom. Or I can say, hey, guys, mommy's pregnant. And so I chose to tell them mommy was pregnant. So... (laughs) That was manly. I mean, you know, <laughs> mommy's bawling for one of two reasons. Either I'm a horrible jerk or because she's pregnant. So let's go with pregnant. So.
2: No, but I appreciate the honesty in that. I think uh, men, we really don't know what to do because we're fixers. Yeah. How can we fix this? You ain't going to fix that. So you just got to almost just say, how, what's the best way I can respond to you right now?
0: Well, one of the first things I had to learn in marriage, I don't know about you guys, but for me, one of the things I had to learn was uh, Elaine and I have a very different level of what I would call emotional intensity. And think about, like, the level of a car that idles. I sort of idle, like, at a two. And she idles at, like, a four or a five. Like, just emotional, she just is more, there's more going on there. You know what I mean? Like, my emotions are much simpler and, and everything. And I had to learn very early in marriage, a big mistake for me was when we got upset with each other. I would then match her level of emotional intensity. It was a big mistake for me because at a two, I don't need to be jumping up. You know what I mean? Like, okay, jump up to a three. You know what I mean? But when I jump up like that, that's not a good situation. And so I had to, I've had had to learn that. And I thought I had learned it until we hit pregnancies. And then I realized I had to go back and relearn it all again because now her level of emotional intensity is so different because she's not even always understanding what's going on with her. Yeah. And so I'm having to then deal with someone who doesn't even understand what's going on with themselves, well, I sure don't. And so it was a, it's an interesting dynamic to have to get control of yourself yeah. when you're dealing with somebody that doesn't even understand what's going on with themselves. Good to remember this phrase. Can I just give you a hug right now? <laughs>
2: That's really good. That mostly works. You, uh, in the book, Compare hormones to fastballs. Now we're talking guy's lingo. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be helpful to every guy listening. So how are
0: hormones in a woman's pregnancy similar
2: to fastballs?
0: So right after we had this amazing fight where I told all the kids that mommy was pregnant, I watched this documentary called Fastball. And these guys have gone in and they, they did a lot of research on Nolan Ryan and Bob Feller and all these famous basketball throwers. And they bring in these Hall of Fame batters and it's this huge documentary on What the the fastest fastballs and what that is like. Right, the physics of it. Yeah, the physics it's, it's great. Well they have George Brett on there and he's talking about when a fastball is over 100 miles an hour it's rising as it comes over the plate. Then they bring in this physicist that explains that that's not possible because the ball is going down and even as fast as it is it's losing speed so it can't suddenly do this that's just not physically possible but what happens is your brain because it's coming so fast doesn't watch the ball the whole way So it sees the ball come out of the pitcher's hand, and then your brain looks at the plate. And what happens is your brain basically fills in the blanks of what it thinks the ball is going to do. It comes in so fast, it doesn't drop as much, and it's higher. So your brain thinks the ball went up because your brain was wrong about the flight path. And I watch I'm watching this and I saying, this is pregnancy hormones, because that what happened with that fight was I was used to how we disagree with each other when we're not pregnant in a
2: normal. Yeah. Situation. And my
0: brain filed the flight plan of we're a little irritated. This isn't a big deal. In a minute, we'll say we're sorry and move on. And that's not what happened. And it was – my brain was like, wait, this isn't how this works. And the pregnancy hormones are that fastball jumping from 95 to 103. Hmm. And your brain brain fills in a flight plan and it's wrong because that's not what's going on here. And, and, I, and, and, I, and it was at that moment, I was like, I wish I had seen this documentary before that fight, because maybe I would have understood this.
2: Right. You definitely don't want to lean into that pitch no, no, no. and get hit by the ball. <laughs> There's no shame with bailing on
0: the plate at a certain point. Like, you know what? I'll I'll just get struck at it. Here's
2: the question for the, the women listening, uh, so you can help them. What can wives do uh, to help their husbands better understand their emotions and what they're feeling you know because sometimes it's hard for the women to communicate they're just feeling it and they may even be embarrassed or they don't even know why i don't know why i'm going from you know enjoying this kind of food to this kind of food just because i'm pregnant or you know whatever it might be pickles with ice cream or more serious things emotionally uh you know just flaring up and yelling at your husband you don't even know why but what instruction would you give to the pregnant wives to help their husbands help them?
0: You know, I think it, with a lot of things in marriage, it always comes down to communication. And I think one thing is wives need to do is to tell their husbands, like, I need you to talk to me mm. about what's going on with you. Because what happens to women a lot of times is, they are nervous, and they feel like they're the only ones because th- the future dad is over there being macho and saying, well, well, this is gonna be fine, I got all this. And if he thinks he's got it all together, Um, he's either lying or he just doesn't understand what's going on. (laughs) And I think that what they need to do is encourage their husbands, like, hey, I need you to talk to me because that's going to help me to understand, like, myself. Because even though I don't know what's going on with me, if I realize, hey, wait a minute, my husband, who I think is – I've married him for a reason, and I realize, hey, he's nervous about this too, and he doesn't know how to do this, and, okay, that's going to help me some. So coach us, though, Aaron, because that sounds like a big pit of quicksand.
1: As soon as she asks me, I'll say something, and then this emotional thing starts happening. So how do
0: we do that well? I think one of the things is, is for the couple to be specific about what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, not just say, I'm nervous, because that is quicksand. I'm nervous. What is it you're nervous about? Well, here's the thing. I'm nervous about paying for college okay, well, let's start there. You know what I mean? There's probably more you're nervous about, but let's talk about that. Pick out something specific and kind of go from there to where you, you, the, the conversation sort of has a specific thing or, hey, I'm nervous about giving the kid a bath. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Well, we can, you know, and I think that helps to then each of you kind of have something to where you're specifically talking about. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
1: Even with warmer weather on the horizon, Deeks Insurance would like to remind us to bundle up. Bundle up home and auto insurance, that is. More and more of Deeks customers are saving by combining their home and auto policies with plans that fit their needs. Founded with family and community in mind, Deeks is a licensed insurance brokerage that offers preferred rates for members of faith-based organizations. To see how Deeks can help you save, visit deeksinsurance.ca to get started with a quote. Deeks Insurance, where family matters.
0: Everybody around us this summer,
2: I say everybody, but our eyes were open to it in the last year that there's a lot of folks in their 30s that are our age that we're seeing their marriages fall apart, and it scared us. After 11 years, Brett's marriage had grown stale. He wanted something better for he and his wife. That's when they found our podcast online and began listening almost every day. Focus on the families helped our marriage from the
0: standpoint
2: of opening our hearts to see things from the other's perspective, and to make sure that God is centered in our marriage. I'm Jim Daly. Thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Brett's marriage is getting better. Working together, we can give families hope. Will you join our marriage building team? Call 800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. That's 800-A-FAMILY. Or donate at focusonthefamily.ca
1: slash give. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: Let's get to the nitty-gritty. Our producer for this show, Catherine, is pregnant right now, and and we have a clip from her husband, so this is the real deal. Let's listen.
0: So I don't know if sympathy pregnancy symptoms are true, but the first time... My wife got morning sickness and threw up. I then proceeded to throw up 30 minutes later. And then now times when she complains of being more tired, I feel a lot more tired, too. Or if her back hurts, my back hurts. So I think there's something to it.
2: Is there any truth to that? That's funny. I think it's a great excuse to get a nap. But, you know, (laughs) Um, researchers have found that uh, to answer that question seriously, they have found that there is some sympathetic symptomatic things that couples go through is it really true
0: I, w- I think so because i think there's a lot of things that like you said earlier like the two of you are experiencing this together and there's things that she's experiencing there's things you're experiencing but as a team you're both experiencing this together so i think it's more than just she really wants mexican food and i really want mexican food i think there is something to this um you know becoming one flesh i think there's something going on there Where we, as a team, are experiencing things. You
2: and your wife uh, found that praying together really helped you. Now, I think every wife is saying, hey, I don't care if I'm pregnant or not pregnant. That really helps me in every way. Speak to that um, spiritual intimacy of praying together and having that kind of level of connection.
0: You know, I think there is something about men where we feel, we like to feel like we're in control, and I think that's why, at least me personally, why I struggle to pray a lot of times because I feel like, "Don't worry, God, I got this. I don't need to tell you, <laughs> I got it." You know, such but, a guy thing. Well, yeah, and it is. It's not something intentional. It's just a it's a rut you get in, and I think pregnancy is one of those moments where you have to sit back and say, "I I am not in control of this." This is a God thing. We've got medical professionals, but even sometimes they're they're shrugging their shoulders about things. And it's one of those moments that really underscores for you as a man and, and for women too how little control you really have, and how much, if this is going to happen and go well, it's going to have to be God doing it because your part as a man is done and this is all happening in her body and they're going to checkups and, you know, then there, and sometimes the doctor's like, Oh, everything's great. And sometimes the doctor's like, well, we need to look at this. And, you know, so that all these things combined, I think as a man is one of those slap in the face that, Hey, I'm not in control of this, but I know who is.
2: Well, in fact um, that was one of your experiences and we've been very lighthearted about these things, but you and your wife had some intense emotions as a couple uh, you experienced a miracle in the ultrasound room many people
0: will connect with this what happened so we started trying to get uh, pregnant the first time and this is when I was employed and we went for about six months and had a miscarriage and we had the miscarriage like the same week I lost my job and so that was just so it was this back in 2009 the economy was so bad kind of like it is now and so you know we had this this intense moment of this miscarriage we kept trying And six months later, I'm still looking for a job, but we have a positive pregnancy test. And so, you know, we have the positive pregnancy test. Lena. because of the previous, especially the previous miscarriage, the doctor was, you know, get the test. We're checking on these things. And, you know, there's all these numbers. They're checking the hormone levels and all these things. And those numbers are supposed to go up, progress at a certain point and Elena's numbers weren't going up and she was having some bleeding and some different things and so you know it was concerning so there were some more tests and then i remember it distinctly it was a thursday night and the doctor um called Elena this is the doctor my wife has had since she was in high school huh. so we've she's a fantastic christian lady my wife's known her for decades and she calls Elena and says listen with where things are at here's where we're probably headed we're probably headed for another miscarriage mm-hmm. not every time but I've been doing this for a long time, and you need to know most of the times what's happening to you, there's a miscarriage on the way. But there is hope, but I want you to understand reality of what, what we're doing. Oh, that's with. good. And then she said, if you're still bleeding tomorrow, I need you to come in. So we get up in the morning. We're still having these these mm-hmm. symptoms. And so we drive to the hospital, and it's about a 40-minute drive from where we live. Uh. And it's like this just somber, you know, because we're going to be told this didn't happen. And even in your mind, you're like, there's hope, but you're having to prepare yourself, right? So you've got to kind of deal with both of these things. And so we get to the doctor's office, and the first thing you do is you go to the sonogram room, and and we go in there waiting to be told, I'm sorry, this is not going to happen this time. And they they put it on there, and you hear this, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And this heart is just, like, beating like crazy, and we are just, even now, I'm like, you know, this this moment of you're waiting to hear... I'm sorry, and what you hear is like this heartbeat. Everything looks good. That God is like, listen, don't worry. Hmm. Forget the numbers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing this. And we had this praise session with our doctor. She was just like, you know, it was fantastic to see this moment of like dreading. We were so much dread, and then it was just like the exact opposite. Well, and
2: I, I, you know, acknowledge the fact that some couples listening right now maybe didn't get that heartbeat. And yeah, that absolutely. happens, and I, you know, I, our hearts go out to you, and um, you know, thank the Lord that that child is with the Lord in heaven. In my opinion, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, then you try again. Uh, l- let me ask you, Aaron, in the midst of all of it, and this gets down to some concreteness for the guys. Um, you encourage first-time parents to slow down and take it all in. And give us a couple examples of how you did that. I like that advice because we get so caught up in the function yeah. and the plan and where we're going that we don't actually stop and really soak it in because it's only going to happen maybe once, yeah, maybe a few times. But it's not like an everyday event having a child.
0: Yeah, and you do these things, and you you don't know if you're ever going to do them again. You know what I mean? You prepare a nursery, and you go register for baby showers, and you do these things, and you just don't know. Like, we've got four kids. We think we're through. You know, God may have the plans, but that was... We think we're done. I'm an only child, and my parents intended to have more kids. It just never worked. Mm. So you don't know how many times you're going to go down this path. And I just want dads and moms because there's so much going on, especially you know if you're working, yeah. and you're doing all of this because you know we both worked full time every pregnancy, and you know all this is going on. Just treasure those moments. Like, go in the nursery and just sit there, and just look around and like look at that nursery. You it's know, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you get to the hospital. Like, take the time. I mean, obviously, if you're rushing in to to get her there, do that. But once that's done, take a moment and just sort of, like, look around and just think about this moment that you're in that God has brought you to, and you don't know if you'll ever be here again. And just thank him for that, for being there. And just, you know, and there's so much of that when you're doing all these things, but take the time. Think about when when you're telling the kids, hey, mommy's pregnant. Just treasure that moment. Yeah,
2: We're right here at the end, Aaron, and I want to ask this question as well. There's got to be a man listening who, with all the brokenness in the world that we have, maybe didn't grow up with a father, didn't have a good model of a father. You know, it was a disastrous example. Um, So he doesn't think he can be a good dad, or he has questions about whether or not he could do it, because he didn't see it. He didn't have it modeled to him. What are some things that you would say to that man
0: that you
2: can break the curse, basically. You can change
0: things. You know, I think there's two things that I would think about immediately. And I had a great example as a father. But I think there's two things that have proven to me to be something that I need to always do with my kids. One of them is to be honest. Mm-hmm. And the other one is to say, I'm sorry, like there's no tomorrow. Um, you know, the, our kids, like I, I blow it. Over this last year, during this pandemic time with kids at home, I'm working at home. and It has been crazy. And there's been so much... I wasn't ready for, you know what I mean? Like always before I would go to work and then come home when I was a dad and I worked for a great organization that wants to maintain that. But now like I'm working and we're all there together and we're doing this stuff. And I think telling your kids, Hey, you know what, here's the deal. Sometimes daddy struggles to be patient when I'm working. I need to be patient with you. And sometimes I'm not. And I'm sorry about that. I think every time you apologize to your kids, I think you just grow. You, you grow. And they grow. And, and they grow, and I think you grow in their eyes. I think they see, hey, dad yeah. is not perfect. Dad knows he's not perfect, and dad's willing to own it. And I think that sets a pattern for them. I agree. Of I don't need to be perfect. I just need to be willing to own up to my struggles and work on them. You know, so Cause good. our oldest, he's nine, and he's, he's the first child perfectionist, and we're always working with him on that. Yeah. And I want him to see that example of I'm not looking for perfection, I just want you to own where you need, to, where God needs to help you grow, and let's do it together.
2: Aaron, that is such good advice all the way around. And this has been terrific. I've really enjoyed it. I wasn't sure that I would, to be honest. I thought, okay, talking about pregnancy. But uh, <laughs> this has been good. It's been really enlightening. I hope the listeners have been able to take nuggets away from this that mm-hmm. they can apply to their lives. And really, uh, if you know somebody who is a... Uh, first-time dad, or even going through it second, third time. This might be the book for them, or maybe you're in that spot. Order Aaron's book directly from Focus Canada, and in doing so, you're helping the ministry
1: do ministry. Well, we'll encourage you to get in touch and to donate as you can and get your copy of this great book, You Got This, Dad. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or online, we're at focusonthefamily.ca.